Hello, and welcome to another Medium Roast episode of Me <laughs> Only Look Thin. I am Catherine Weigel. I am one of your hosts. I have lost over 100 pounds. I am a Tiny Habits certified coach. Yeah. I'm a Thrive Global certified coach. And I like dark roast, but this is a Medium Roast episode. And here is my espresso roast guy. Yeah, Donald Weigel. I am the espresso roastiest, and I am the hostiest <laughs> with the espresso mostiest. Whoa. Okay. That is right. I am uh, I am here to uh, co-host. Hello. Uh, we only look thin. I have lost about 100 pounds. I've kept it off for about five years, uh, pretty close to five and a half years at this point. Um, but who's counting? Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, we're here to talk about all of that stuff. Yeah, we sure are. And uh, we talked about a medium roast. Um, but uh, yes. it, I, I actually started, we've recorded this twice because I lost uh, my focus for a second because it's about a half hour before we eat lunch. Yeah. And I, I want to just jam through this. And I'm making it longer by talking about that. But, and then she wants to eat some jam. <laughs> yeah, I do like jam. It's good. Yeah, no. I got to count the points. But yeah. uh, anyway, a couple of weeks ago, two, as many as two weeks ago, we did an episode about uh, a meme, didn't we, Donald? We sure did. And um, it was uh, was a meme that uh, was circulating in the, um, the anti-diet culture community. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, uh, we actually are on the side of you probably should take control of your health and fitness <laughs> and and try and do things to improve them. But that sounds really boring, which again yeah. is where the the middle, the medium roast comes in. People like sensation, either uh, thrilling highs or chilling lows, but like hey, find your own path really does not sell newspapers. It yeah. doesn't, you know, it doesn't grab headlines. But the <laughs> But we're going to talk about it all this episode, so we're we're just meeting you in the middle. Yeah, and I and I think that the the underlying reason behind this episode and the first one was to when you hear some of these extreme things that they can be inflammatory and and maybe they can cause you to question you know what your personal practices are, which can be a good thing. But in this particular case, I think it it can lead a lot of people just to throw up their hands and and do nothing. Well, and I think that there are so many stigmas around about everything having yeah. have you know like if I care about my body, is that anti-feminist? Uh, or is, if you don't care about my body, is that anti-feminist? I don't know which one is which. Right. But it is. it can seem dangerous to care about your health, especially in a world where people are super called out for anything that looks like a diet. And I know we've talked about this before. We don't feel like we're on diets. We are trying to live healthier lives that are in alignment with our long-term goals, which include not losing legs yes. and uh, being able to walk upstairs. Yeah. And, you know, and what, you know, Catherine is sort of jokingly talking about uh, is that you know, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and my doctor told me that I would, you know, possibly lose a limb or go blind from it if I didn't lose some weight. <laughs> that was basically what he said. And so that really sunk in with me and, you know, cut to I lost some weight and now I have it under control. And it so the point here is that there are real world health consequences to being that overweight. And 
you know, if you are healthy at whatever size you are, then great. But I certainly was not and had to do something to take control of it. Well, and I wasn't either. And there is nothing about an actual physical ailment or illness that is a culture of anything. It is the results of choices that we've made. And so memes like this, we said on the on the last episode, memes like this oversimplify and get rid of all of the nuances of the whys behind why we do things. And I think it's dangerous because, again, people just take it at face value. And if you are listening to this podcast, you are probably one of the people who are trying to work out how to live better lives. So yay, you, you've made the right choice today. Um, but We want you to feel empowered with responses to memes like this. Not that you have to engage with every negative heckler in the world, but sometimes we can question our own like, oh my gosh, is it wrong to do, you know, to like have a Fitbit? Is that diet culture? It's not. And so we're going to go through, we went in the last episode, we went through four different, uh, four or five different Uh, points from the meme and countered them. And we are going to do that again today with four others. Yeah. And and the idea here is to show, and I'm probably just repeating what we've already said, but the idea is to show that when you hear these extreme points of view, that they sound on the surface like they're very black and white, but there is another way to approach this besides just going all in on diet culture and being all out on trying to take care of your health and fitness. Exactly. Um, And I just wanted to say one more time before we really dive in that if you do think you have an actual eating disorder, that please get professional help. Like, this is not the answer. This podcast is not the answer if you really genuinely have an eating disorder. Um, There is a website, uh, nationaleatingdisorders.org, that you can go to as a good starting place to, uh, to get some help. Right. And we are those middle ground people who were able to manage their uh, food issues without intervention from a professional. But if you feel like it is beyond your control, again, uh, go to the website that Don mentioned. And uh, now we are going to dive into the meme. Yes, we are. Okay, so uh, there are... (laughs) Should we call this episode, What's the Meming of This? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's not... That's not good, but it, it's, it's funny. possible. Yeah, no, we uh, we we haven't uh, <laughs> we we haven't finished recording it, so we still can change girls. the title. Ooh. Meme girls. <laughs> oh, it just happened. Okay, okay. We, we, we were we were going to call it uh, something else, but now it's meme girls. We did actually see that movie. Yes, it was a long time ago, but we saw it. Yeah, so. the the original version, not the new musical oh, that's going man, around. Man, how great are we? Yeah, little well, high you, in. you. No, but the conversation is very helpful. So, yeah. um, anyway, all right, Donald, do you want to knock it off the block? As I the do. Kids say? All right, so these two are very similar, so we're we're putting them together. the The meme said, "Holding fear around certain foods is disordered." And feeling out of control around food is disordered. Now, I I want to start by saying that we don't assign, Catherine and I, we don't believe in assigning a moral value to foods, which I believe these two statements imply. Um, there, there aren't some good foods or bad. But for some people, though, there are foods that are more triggering than others. And I know for me personally, there are foods that I don't want to eat at 
all the time because they lead me to overeat or even a particular time of day. Like I know if I start eating treats or, or sugar in the morning, I know it will, it will make it harder for me to not overeat throughout the day. This is why I have certain policies in place as to when I will eat certain things and why, and that it helps me to maintain my my weight and to stay on the plan that I want to be on. Well, and I think sort of drawing back on that, I definitely used to have a fear of food or feeling out of control around food. And what that is actually, if you have ever experienced that, what yeah. it's telling you is that you are not equipped with the right tools to manage your relationship with that food. There is conflict. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to moderate. People say, just moderate. Just everything in moderation. Yeah, like, pe people will just say, like, you know, hey, why don't you just moderate it? Like, rather than, than you know, abstaining completely or, or binging on it, why don't you just moderate? But, you know, there's no instruction manual as to how to do that that comes with people saying that to you. Well, it's funny. A few years ago, I think we were talking to our daughter about, I can't remember which one it was, but you said either you had to rip a CD or burn a CD. Yeah. And she was like, what's a rip now? Yeah, like, no, I don't think she knew what burning a CD was. But yeah. it's like if someone says moderate, it's basically like ripping a CD, everybody, because it, we don't – like what does one do when one does that? It's a word. I understand how to spell it, but I don't want know what it means. And saying something like uh, moderate or eat until comfortably full can seem really scary because we haven't had proof – that that works, or that we even have the skill set to do that for ourselves. Yeah, and I think that, you know, these statements imply holding fear around certain foods is disordered. Feeling out of control around food is disordered. I think it it implies that you either have to be all in on all foods, <laughs> like that, that, you know, well, I I'll eat I can eat everything because, you know, it's your I, fear of it. Because if I have it... fear of it, then then that then I have an eating disorder. So I'd better not. Or the the reverse of, you know, I I can't eat anything and therefore I have an eating disorder or I've got to I've got to completely abstain from these things. But, you know, I I gave up sugar and I gave up soda for a very long time when I first got my diabetes diagnosis and I didn't really trust myself around them. But I learned over time ways in, in which I could incorporate those things and incorporate, you know, essentially any food into my life, but, you know, make it in a responsible fashion by, by you know, a certain time of day or pairing it with other activities so that it was only occasionally but not forbidding it entirely or, or even just, um, uh, even just, you know, making the portion control, you know, only buying sort of single serve smaller versions of things, I'm able to keep them into my life. And so there is a middle ground between, you know, abstain completely, or I should eat be all in because I shouldn't be afraid of these things. Right. I, and I, we did an episode a while back where we talked about uh, all of the, the different P's of, uh, of managing uh, choices around food. Again, like Donald said, prioritize, plan, pair, pump up the volume, uh, and pause or pivot. If something isn't working for you, you have the right to change your mind on that. And I think for some, when someone else is showing judgment, on you for your food choices, it is easy for someone else to 
want to decide what you're going to do with food when it's already easy for them. Just just don't. Right. Just eat until you're full. But that can be really scary. So listening to someone who is like bullying you into following their path isn't super helpful. Yeah. And, and you know, also trying to tell you you have an eating disorder because you're trying to cut back on soda, you know, isn't it isn't helpful in the long run either. Right. Okay, so the next statement in this meme is fixating on your watch's exercise stats is disordered. And so I think that we can agree that fixating on anything is probably not good. However, my particular fitness watch, a Fitbit, has been an invaluable tool yeah. in my weight loss journey. And for many reasons, you know, I... I would typically thought of exercise as having to go to the gym and be on a machine or be on weights or or have a personal trainer, which I did, yell at me while I was trying <laughs> to do exercises that were just making me miserable. And I would dread it all the time until I realized, this is the very short version of this story, that walking counts as exercise and walking burns calories. And hey, I actually like doing this and I enjoy it. So having my Fitbit there as a as a motivational tool, but also just a tool to like, tell me how active I'm being in a day, you know, I, I was much less active in a day than I thought I was until I started actually seeing the evidence on my wrist all the time. And it has really been you know, one of the things that has gotten me down to the the my goal weight and has it helped keep me here. Right. And for me, too, I think I I didn't realize how sedentary I was until I got my Fitbit. And with anything, let's be honest, everybody. Can we just be honest for, for a minute? once? Can let's I just be honest? Can yeah. I just no offense? But <laughs> new gizmos and plans are exciting. And when we first get the new razzle-dazzle thing, there's a physical rush of the possibilities ahead, whether it's a Game Boy, an air fryer, a new car, a new husband. Like, there's whoa, so much possible. Whoa, new husband. I'm just saying. <laughs> new, sweet, any, I'm not saying for me. Like, yeah. I already have an air fryer. I got the car. Yeah. I got the gizmo. So, like, I'm sad. Is there anything I don't else need... you just mentioned that you might have already? <laughs> uh, a, sh a, a short cliff to or You know, our rope. 25th wedding anniversary hasn't happened yet. We yeah, might. <laughs> it will. Anyway, um, what, what I was going to say was the thrill wears off and we get our kicks elsewhere. <laughs> I actually had that written oh, on a piece of goodness. paper. No, but like that. that I get no kicks anywhere. <laughs> You're kickless. <laughs> That's right. I am kickless. And it shows. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but that like the initial thrill of like, oh, how many steps did I get? I totally did that. And that new you know, like honeymoon phase happens to many of us and it diminishes over time. A lot of us never get to the point of being like, Oh, I forgot to wear my Fitbit. Eh, it's fine. Like there was a point where I wouldn't walk if I didn't have my Fitbit on. I'd yeah. be like, hey Donald, go get my Fitbit for yeah. me. I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna give away free steps. But it got to the point because I did I stopped quitting that I was like, eh, it's fine. I don't have my Fitbit. Like yeah. I identify as an active person now. 
Right. And the point the point isn't that the stats register on the watch at this point. But, you know, when I first got it, I, I you know, there were times when, you know, it would be like 11 o'clock at night and I'd be like, oh, man, I still need 500 steps to hit my goal or a thousand steps or whatever. And I would just go out and run, you know, walk circles in a parking lot. Well, actually, that was me. And I yeah. ended up twisting my ankle because I was wearing flip flops. So I don't do that anymore. I'm an active person. Sometimes I hit the goal. Sometimes I don't. Um, obviously, paying attention to metrics for me still matters. Like we do our bank account or retirement account or whatever else has numbers. Does yeah. anything else have numbers? And it really keeps me honest. You know, it's sort of like you know, well, I'm pretty sure I've I got a you know a lot of steps today. But then you know, you look at the actual evidence, and maybe it's not. It's the sort of same thing people do where they'll estimate how many calories they're eating and then they actually get a kitchen scale and start weighing things and, and realize party how <laughs> much more they're eating than they really think they are. It's, it's a very similar thing. Exactly. So this sort of has a three-step process. And when people are starting a plan, um, which is generally where they also stop when, when it stops being exciting. Right. Okay. So first is the goal orientation. I want 10,000 steps. I'm going to get my, I'm going to hit my target. So that's kind of when the fixating is. Process-oriented is, you know what, I'm going to walk 30 minutes in the morning, 30 in the afternoon, 30 at night. That's how I'm going to get to 10,000 steps. Yeah. But once you get to where we are, which is super cool and rad, <laughs> is we are identity-focused. We are becoming active people who prioritize activity well, in many different ways. I think we've ways. become active people. You know, I, know. I, I was trying to like phrase of, it yeah, like okay, whatever. But like I prioritize activity for my physical and mental well-being. And part of that is getting in steps and making sure that I'm watching my canaries. Tweet, tweet. Now Donald has to put in canaries into the podcast notes. But like it's just, oh, my, my steps are really going down. What is this telling me? So it's a metric just like uh, any other budget. So we have dispelled this myth. Yeah, and I think we should just quickly, for those who, who may not be longtime listeners, uh, when Catherine talks about canaries, we're referring to the the old timey practice of sending canaries into coal mines to uh, to make sure that it was safe. They they used to do that a long time ago. And when you or, you know we use it as a metaphor, when your canaries are not healthy in your life, a canary will be will be like a habit that a telltale you, sign that you stop that doing. Yes, a telltale sign. That's a better way to say it. Uh, that that you are not sticking to your goals in the way that you once were. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Okay, so the uh, uh, two more statements that we uh, kind of lumped together because they're very um, they're very similar from the meme uh, is chronic weight fluctuations is disordered. And first of all, gra- you know, the grammar is it's are disordered. But ah. uh, second of all, yo-yo and or continuous dieting is disordered. And look, I think we can all agree that yo-yo dieting isn't healthy. Like, you know, I did it for many, many years and going, you know, going on a, you know, crash diet or a super restricted diet, losing a bunch of weight and then hitting a goal and going way back up on the scale. I mean, obviously that's not great. You know, same with continuously under eating or even temporarily under eating, but Eating at maintenance calories may also be seen as a diet by some because I'm actually counting what I'm eating. Ooh, that's a good point. And measuring and weighing things. But if I don't do that, then I know I gain weight and I do it 
very easily. And yeah. I would find myself back up the scale to where I was 100 pounds ago and, you know, deep in trouble from a health perspective from diabetes and heart problems. Exactly. And for me, that yo-yo dieting and the chronic weight fluctuations is a product of desperation. You want to get to a goal weight and then be fixed. But as you know, this is a continuous process. And for me, back in the day when those the fluctuations and the yo-yo dieting were the case, I thought of my weight and my health as a game. And if I lost enough, then I could just like give myself enough space to still fit in my clothes until I ate my way back up to the, you know, my pants being tight. Yeah. And then I would lose weight again. I It was a game to me. I didn't take it seriously. And it wasn't until my 40s where I realized that I was actually designing my life, not, not in some strange game. So where diet culture, which I, it just, I don't even like saying it, yeah. where, where that like caring at all is, is toxic and blah. It's like, no, I'm managing my health. And that's why I got away from that. Again, you are if if you are in that cycle, it means that you are not yet equipped with the right tools to sustain manageable weight loss or weight maintenance. So it's not like, yes, we agree, that's bad. But we're in the middle. We're like, we're not, let's let's care about our bodies. Why not? What else do we have to do with our time? <laughs> exactly. There's nothing else taking up our time. Um, also, I wanted to point out, I found an article um, online on healthline.com um, pointing out that daily weight fluctuation is normal for adults. And the average adult's weight fluctuates up to six pounds per day. Um, and it all comes down, you know, that could be like, you might weigh one weight in the morning and it like, you might be six pounds heavier or lighter later I can attend in the day. Um, it, it all comes down to like when you eat, drink, exercise, and even sleep. So just, you know, depending on your definition of a weight fluctuation, you might look at the scale and be like, oh my goodness, this morning I was two pounds, you know, lighter than I am right now. My weight is fluctuating like I have an eating disorder. And that certainly, you know, might be implied by that meme, but, you know, it is normal and it, everybody goes through it. Um, and another thing is, and, you know, the sort of echoing what Catherine said a bit, but, you know, weight fluctuations can also just depend on the season of your yeah. life. Like there are times when you have more time to focus on, on exercise at, or, you know, eating right and times when you don't. And so, you know, saying that just the ebb and flow of life means you have an eating disorder seems awfully extreme. To yeah. Me. Agreed. All right. Bring us home, Donald. Okay. So, uh, the next one is, um, yeah, it's three of them sort of uh, uh, mixed together. And that oh, it's is, like a club sandwich of suggestions. Exactly. Uh, so the meme says, missing out on social eating activities is disordered. Making excuses not to eat is disordered. And refusing other people's cooking is disordered. And look. Listen. I am sticking to a calorie count for me. Yeah. It is not for anyone else. Well, and we're not doing it at anyone. No. Like, it, I'm, Donald's not eating at 2,000 calories to upset me. Yeah. And it's, I'm not doing this, um, you know, I'm doing this as a form of self-care for myself because I know that when I am at a certain weight, I feel better in my body, I move better in my body, I have fewer health issues, and I just feel better. 
And if I decide to skip a social activity or make an excuse for not eating, that's just me setting boundaries and engaging in that self-care. Well, and for me, when I started working in corporate America, USA, I, within a year, gained 30 pounds. It was like right after our wedding. Yeah. And by the time I finished college, I was also working full-time. It was about three years. I had gained a total of 130 pounds. Yeah. Because, guess what? Everything was a social eating. Let's go to the Cheesecake Factory. Let's go to P.F. Chang's. Let's go, hey, we're going to go get apps. You want apps, don't you? Yeah, for sure. And back then, apps were short for appetizers. Literally short for- appetizers yeah and i was the social person and guess what i also was the eating at home person and the takeout person and the secret eating in the morning person and so saying that that in itself like going out to eat and expecting there to be no consequence was not helpful for me yeah and and look those three statements are they telling me that i should have no agency at all over what i eat like If someone asks me to engage in a social eating activity or cooks food for me that like I have to eat it, like there's no circumstance under which I'm allowed to refuse to eat it because I'm trying to stick to certain health goals. Well, and two, that like not eating with other people, say they bring luncheon at work or something and you don't have any, you might be prioritizing calories for later in the night when you're actually with people you enjoy spending time with. And like, it's not, and I think Donald, you had a point about intermittent fasting, I think too. Yeah. In the, in the last episode about this, I talked about like, you know, to some people skipping meals. Now I, I don't say that I do intermittent fasting, but I think I do kind of do a form of it where I I stop eating at a point where I go to bed and then I really don't usually eat again till till lunchtime the next day. Um, And, you know, we've been told all our lives, don't skip breakfast, don't skip breakfast. But it really works for me because when I I'm not that hungry in the morning and I then I have more calories, you know, to to eat for later in the day. And that works much better for me to help me stick to my plan. Yeah. Well, and two, not everybody eats the same way. I mean, I if anyone says you have to have three meals a day, you have to have three snacks a day, you can only eat tiny meals every hour, you've got it. Like if anyone is prescribing something to you that doesn't ring true to your experience, then don't do it. Donald doesn't eat until the afternoon and I eat much earlier because that's what works for me. We still, we pretty much love each other, right? We're still pals. Pretty much, although I, I heard earlier in this episode that you might be looking for a more exciting husband. I don't. I'm just saying. I just something. No, I, I'm just saying. I heard a rumor. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. But that like we can co live to like be together and right. not eat at the same time. We can go out with friends and not order drinks and stick to you know, something else or just nibble on something and not eat. And it's not disordered. But when we have people trying to drag us down to their level where it's like, we're going out, we're going to get hammered yeah. and we're going to get nachos. Yeah. Which we do have friends who try and get us to do that regularly. Like it just doesn't work for me. Now, you know, figuring out what I can reasonably eat or trying to direct an activity towards something that's not food yeah. related or, you know, making up an excuse, like, so that I don't engage in it, that's all a part of me taking care of myself and asserting my boundaries. You know, if I just 
automatically, like, even if I don't want to give in to, you know, people wanting me to eat large amounts of food and drink large amounts of alcohol with them, then where is that going to lead me down the road? I'm going to be right back where I was when I was 100 pounds heavier. Exactly. Now, with that in mind, I think it is also 100% okay to engage in social eating uh, activities and to eat other people's cooking. But you know, my problem used to be that I would go way out of my way to do those things. Yeah. And it just wasn't healthy. You know, my blood sugar was out of control. I was napping all the time. I felt terrible in my body. I was snoring all the time. And it wasn't until I took agency over myself and what I was eating that I got myself to a point where I'm pretty healthy now, especially for a 53-year-old man. And like to that point, back in the, the the days of yore, the days of uh, of the nineties, and back when and the, apps were called appetizers, the grunges. Yeah. I actually did have an issue with avoiding events just because I was supposed to have cabbage soup, and I couldn't right. like take it to Washington D.C. to see my friend because it couldn't like I didn't have cooler. What am I going to do? And that was a fearful state of like trying to control my weight. And yeah, that, I, that also was not okay. That was not okay. And I didn't see it as such because I was not doing something that was sustainable. But Knowing that you don't want to eat someone else's mac and cheese or someone sends you cookies or cake or whatever. Right. Like I know Teachers Week just passed and people have been talking about like, oh my gosh, I've gotten so many treats and whatever from kids and I feel bad and I've got to eat it all, whatever. Yeah. Like you don't have to feel obligated just because someone gave you something to actually eat it. And people equate it with such insult if you oh you don't you, obviously you don't like people from Pennsylvania if you don't eat <laughs> right, this like right. it's not going to be good and we've got to let go of those like what we what meaning we put behind food for me you know what i might have a bite it's not really my thing it's not my priority i would much rather spend calories on something else than on this yeah. or you know what i'm going to bring some vegetables on the side i can have that and maybe i'll have a taste of yours but that's not really in in my plan and it's not disordered like donald said it's taking agency in your life and just setting some like boundaries for yourself because what if we just accept what everybody else says about everything all of the time yeah. what, like where do we fit into life where do we fit into life I could not tell you. <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm on. I think, okay, now we're going to take a short two-minute break, and then we're going to go into part two yeah. of this with me being mad about agency. Yeah, I, I I thought the middle ground didn't get people fired up, but clearly Catherine has gotten fired up. I have gotten fired up. So as we are finishing up this episode as a, as a tie-in to the last episode we did on this disordered meme, there are people in this world – uh, very annoying, who seem to be naturally talented and gifted at eating in a way that is sustainable and healthy. Yeah, how dare those how, people? How much dare? Yeah. There are people who seem to be self-motivated and self-directed, who with effort and energy are able to do things without additional outside opinions or whatever. They're just, they get it done like Chopin. Also, which, how dare those people? How dare they, but also- but Chopin. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Then there are those who struggle 
with finding the right place, finding that footing, and we believe that we don't have what it takes to achieve our desired goals. And that's where I struggled for years. I thought I was broken somehow. And that third group that I was in, we didn't have any proof of success. We didn't have the tools in place to help us be successful. And we became prey to companies that prey on people like us who are desperate to lose weight. And that's the disordered part is the people who are selling the, you know, fiber pills and the whatever. Like, yes, that is terrible. But the other side of that, which Donald mentioned, was that the anti-diet people are their own culture of like, you follow this or you're a garbage person. Yeah. And that's not okay. It's not okay. No, it definitely isn't. So pulling back from the meme, we are giving you the opportunity to decide for yourself what works for you. How do you feel when you eat the food that you do? How does your body respond? And how would you like it to respond? How are your choices affecting you? And what are you ready to do about it? And what tools are you lacking? And that's where support comes in. That that comes with finding people who will help you determine what plan is exactly right for you in the season that you're in. Uh, this is accidentally becoming a, uh, a pitch for Wool Place. We Only Look Thin Place <laughs> is our Facebook-based accountability group. We are not a weight loss plan, but we are there for support and accountability and just different perspectives. Perspectives. There are so many ways to get this done, and none of them should include shame or having virtual like rotten tomatoes thrown at you. Yeah, like it. That's not what it's about. So please take away what you want from any source. Stop following people who are anti whatever. If it makes you feel bad about yourself, just stop following it. That's my last tip of the week. So I accidentally stuck that in there. Uh, But thank you so much for listening. Uh, You've given uh, the listeners so many extra tips that they weren't counting on. They, uh, Why you got to point me out as doing it? And they tuned in. <laughs> that uh, they didn't ask for. <laughs> <laughs> we are grateful for you listening to this episode. All of our episodes are available on all of the major podcast platforms, wherever you found this one. And we uh, have done deeper dives on uh, on a lot of the topics we discussed in here about ways to, uh, not not necessarily in the same way, but about ways to um, deal with getting more steps. Uh, you know, if you do have a fitness watch, uh, ways to uh, make policies about uh, abstaining versus moderating, um, etc. And I will link to some of those in the show notes and you can find them on all major podcast platforms wherever you found this episode and also anytime on our website at weonlylookthin.com. And if you're at weonlylookthin.com, you can click on that link for join our support group to find out more about the aforementioned Walt Place. Yeah. We Only Look Thin Place. Again, it's a Facebook-based accountability group for women. We are not a weight loss plan, but we are a place for accountability, ideas, and just a safe space on the internet where you can be honest about your plan while you are working toward becoming the person that you want to be. Uh, we have two subscription options, a monthly option with a three-day complimentary trial and a three-month subscription with a seven-day complimentary trial to see if Walt Place is right for you. Yeah, and one of the best benefits of joining uh, Walt Place is that you get 
direct access to Catherine Weigel. Um, you know, it, easy to ask her questions and she answers constantly. And also, uh, we'll do, you know, <laughs> constantly, they, constantly <laughs> answering questions. She never Interesting stops. Interesting choice of words. Um, well, you know <laughs> I what know. I mean. And uh, uh, also, she does a Zoom meeting, so you can uh, talk to her uh, sort of face-to-face, screen-to-screen, yeah. uh, and uh, get direct access that way. You can also interact with us on social media. Uh, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at We Only Look Thin. Um, or you can also uh, send us an email uh, if you prefer. If you still remember that apps are appetizers, uh, <laughs> maybe you can. Uh, maybe you'd prefer to send us an email. Uh, you can reach us at weonlylookthin at gmail You can send us episode suggestions. We love those questions, uh, compliments. Um, I was going to say comments, but really we prefer compliments. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, you can send compliments. We'll take constructive criticism, but compliments are better. You can email us once again to weonlylookthin at gmail.com. Yep. I actually referred to email as a uh, a formal communication the other day. I was like, well, oh, if you want to keep it formal yeah. as though that is the formal way. Oh, my goodness. Um, so strange so that weird. we're in an era where email seems old-fashioned. I know. It does. Uh, but if you are feeling new-fashioned – you can yeah. head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and a review. Not only does it let us know that what we're doing matters in your journey venture, uh, but it also lets the fine people of Apple uh, give yeah. us a, a boost when people are looking for health and fitness podcasts like ours. Absolutely. And another uh, thing you could do that would help us out would be just to tell somebody about the show. Uh, recommend it to somebody. Uh, if you are you know, talking to somebody and it comes up or if you know somebody who would you think would enjoy the show or if you're you know online and a reddit group or a facebook group or a discord server something like that and uh you know it comes up uh or maybe you're on a tiktok chat if if you do that um if you could recommend the show give us a shout out we would really appreciate it, it is really one of the best ways that helps us uh grow the show and we would be grateful yep so if the thrill is wearing off our clever banter, just remember that Donald and I are <laughs> an, an inspiration. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program. <laughs>